Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. And so this morning, the title of my sermon is Praying People. Hallelujah. The people of the early church were people of prayer. They were praying people. They were people of prayer. Prayer was a central part of the life of the early church. We see that in almost every aspect of their life, they factored prayer into it. In fact, before Jesus Christ, like, you know, there was a story in the book of Matthew. When Jesus was with his, the disciples, the, the disciples of John the Baptist came to him and asked him a very interesting question. They said, Jesus, why is it that we have been fasting and praying? The disciples of the Pharisees have been doing the same, but your disciples are not fasting. And Jesus gave them a very good answer. Jesus said, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and they will fast. Jesus was speaking into the future of the church after his departure. And so when Jesus Christ was resurrected, you know, went to heaven, I believe the disciples caught what Jesus had told them before. And so they embraced how life should be at that time. Jesus said after he was gone, the disciples would begin to fast, they would begin to pray. And the early church picked that behavior, that, you know, that attitude, and that became part of their lives. And so in Acts chapter 6, verse 2 and 4, a very interesting story there. When the church began to grow, you know, from 3,000 into 5,000, it was massive growth. In our days, they would have called it mega church or whatever. You see, God is not concerned about naming and whatever. God is concerned about increase in his kingdom. Once again, we put tax on things, mega church. God is not concerned about mega church or what. They would save 3,000 people at one time. Eight, I mean, 5,000 at one time. And something happened. The Bible says when they began to, please keep the verse there. I'll come to it just to give a background. When they began to, you know, flow in the things of God and live their lives, there was a problem that came. Those who are sharing, you know, food to the people, as Johnny mentioned, you know, giving to those who were in need, they began to neglect a group of people. And so this problem came to the early apostles, Peter and the rest. Look at the answer that Peter gave to that. Please, let's put the verse out again. Acts chapter 6, verse 2 and 4. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. But we give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So Peter is saying here that we know what we're supposed to do. The serving of the tables is important. People must receive food. People must receive the help they need. But we know that for us to be effective in doing this ministry, the prayer part must be kept. We can't substitute prayer to serving tables. And so we as leaders, we must give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And then the Bible said they appointed right people to go and serve the tables. And in all that, we saw that the church was growing. The point I want to make is this. The early church was very wise not to substitute other things for prayer. They kept that place of prayer. And so once again, you see that in the early church, many things, prayer was central. For instance, they prayed before choosing leaders. Acts chapter 1 verse 24. 
For those of you who are taking notes, you can put that down. They prayed before choosing leaders. They just did not look at physical qualities to choose leaders. That is important. Character is important. But they also wanted to know the heart of God about who became a leader. They prayed before inducting leaders into office. That was very, very important. The Bible said they prayed. And for those, the second point, Acts chapter 14, verse 23, is there. The third point, they prayed for those who were sick. When people were sick and needed healing, they prayed for them. Prayer was central. They prayed for boldness. Pastor Charlotte has talked about this again in the, one of the series in the past. They prayed for those who were in prison. They prayed for the dead to come back to life. Hallelujah. Jesus said, raise the dead. If people don't die, you can't raise them. <laughs> and so they took, they took advantage of that command from Jesus. When people were, were dead, they prayed for them. And some of, I mean, the Bible said that they, they came back to life. There was a time in Acts chapter 20, verse 8 and 9, Paul was teaching overnight. And people, the Bible said there was a young man sitting on the third floor. Can you imagine if in those days they had story buildings, you know, for, for, for ministry. And the guy fell, died dead. Paul went, embraced him, rose the guy up, put him back to where he was, and the ministration of the word continued. This was the life of the early church. Don't you want to experience that in our days? Yeah. Hallelujah. And the same God is the God that we're serving. The Bible says when Dorcas died, they came and called Peter, went and prayed for her. She got up again. Again, the church prayed for the Holy Spirit baptism. They made prayer a central part of what they were doing they had a good attitude for prayer i believe this was possible because they knew what prayer was they understood the different kinds of prayer and they also knew the assignment or the role of prayer in their lives as believers at the time you know it is one thing to know what prayer is it is another thing to know the assignments of prayer or what prayer does in the life of the believer. For instance, most of the time, we define prayer as a conversation with God, communicating with God. Yes, that is true. But when we commune with God, when we have a conversation with God, talking to him and listening, you know, um, listening, what does that produce in our lives? What role has that aspect of prayer got to do in our lives as God's children? I believe the early church did not just know the definition of prayer, they also knew the assignments of prayer. And so I want to quickly go through five assignments of prayer for us, even as we move on and pray that God will continue to grant us the grace to live our lives like the early church did. First, prayer was a tool for making requests and obtaining promises. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. The, the prayer has, be, has been given to us as a tool for making requests and obtaining promises. God knows your need. God knows my need. God knows our need. But in his word, which guides our way of life, he said, ask. He says, seek and knock. And I've said it here before. All these are different dimensions and levels of prayer. 
asking is pretty simple. I can ask you a question right now. The distance doesn't really matter. As long as you can hear me, I can ask you. I can ask you a question via email. If you read it and understand, you can give me an answer. Seeking is a next level of that. There is a level of persistence when it comes to seeking. And then the next one, he said, knock. There must be a close contact, a, a, a very close relation to touch something before you can knock. And so Jesus introduces this different aspect of prayer for the church, for the believers. And in the early church, we see this as part of their lifestyle as a family. The second thing is prayer is a tool for transformation. Hallelujah. I've always said this, prayer is in itself therapeutic. You know, there are times you don't feel good. Your, your emotions and your feelings are all, you know, all over the place. Go hide yourself in a place of prayer and come back and see how God will transform you from inside out. And so prayer produces a form of transformation. In Luke chapter 9, verse 29, the Bible talks of how Jesus he said, and as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistering. Jesus himself was transformed in a place of prayer. And it is the same for you and me even in our days. Prayer plays a role of transformation in our lives. It doesn't matter where you are in your work with God right now. If you're looking for transformation Prayer is one of the ways that God can produce that in your life. It doesn't matter how weak you think you are. It doesn't matter how, how, how timid you think you are. Allow God to work in you through prayer and you see how he will build his transformation right in your life as a child of God. Hallelujah. The next point is that prayer is a tool for creating realities. You know, the Bible says in Job chapter 22, verse 28, powerful scripture there. You will also declare a thing. Other versions say decree a thing. And the Bible says it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. God is saying that there are certain things before you can see them happen. You must make a declaration of them. You must decree them. He is giving you that grace, that power by his Holy Spirit. If you make a declaration, those things will come. And God showed this in the book of Genesis. When God came onto the scene, full of darkness, the Bible says the place was void and without form. Nothing was working. What did he do? He began to speak. Let there be light. And the Bible said there was light. God began to create realities with his own words. Praise God. And he's told us, he's, he's given us the same mandate even in our days as his children to create realities in our own lives, in our families, in our city, in our church. The things that we hope to see. See, it is not just enough to dream of things. It is not just enough to wish things to come. It is important to also make declarations. Call those things. The Bible says the things which, which, which do not seem to be, call them to life. There is a power in the Holy Spirit to make this real in our lives. And the early church lived by this principle. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 4, at the place of temptation, Jesus says something that is very, very important. He said, but he answered, you know, this engagement with the, with the devil. 
It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you know what that means? I know you understand. But Jesus is saying this. On this earth, you can live by bread. We all eat to live. Hallelujah. We don't live to eat, we eat to live. It's good that we don't change the order. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. So for, at that point, he tells us one of the key things we need to be able to live. And then he went on to say the second thing. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we live by food naturally, but spiritually we also live by the words that, that have come from God. How we use the words of God also contributes to how successful or otherwise that we live. Very, very important. The Bible says, life and death lies in the power of the tongue. All of us here. There is life on your tongue. There is life on my tongue. We choose what we want. And that comes for us as God's children in prayer. The fourth point or the fourth rule or assignment of prayer is a tool for spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. We have been told in the book of Ephesians that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. That is very, very important for all of us. And so the, the warfare that we are in as God's children, we have been given the victory through Jesus Christ. But God has provided us with a guideline to live out that victory. Jesus has done his part. We've got to do our part. Amen. We cannot change that theology. We cannot change that approach. That is what the Bible has said. And we saw the early church leaving that out. Leaving that out. In Ephesians 6, 12 to 18. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take out the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The Bible continues, can you please move to the 18th verse for the sake of time? And so God has given us provisions. He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the sins. Please keep it there. Look at how, what the Bible says. Praying always with all Prayer. Other versions say all kinds of prayer. So there are different kinds of prayer. I always say, you know, this in my house that the prayer that I pray when we, you know, blessing food, it's not the same prayer I pray when I'm, I'm praying, you know, in a spiritual warfare prayer. Both are prayers. God answers all prayers. But you see, we can live our Christian life with our mind, with our human wisdom. We live our Christian life based on the word of God. Whatever the word of God has said, it's important for us to enjoy the victory that Christ has given unto us. If I change it, it's my own problem. Praise God. Sadly so. Or if I, I allow a system of man to change that in my life, it's my own problem. The word of God does not change. The word of God does not change. And so God has given us this grace, this provision in his word to be able to engage in spiritual warfare by his power. And we see the victory that Christ gives to us in all of this. And the last assignment or role of prayer 
is that prayer is a tool for revealing secrets. Hallelujah. You know, I, I got this last one on Friday. I was praying with a couple of friends and one brother began to share this. I was like, wow, this is a deep revelation. In Jeremiah, the Bible says, call unto me. Call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Have you seen that? So it means there are many things you and I don't know. The Bible describes them as great and mighty things. We don't know. The things about our marriage, we don't know all of it. The things about our children's life, we don't know all of it. Our own ministry, we don't know all of it. Our health, many aspects of our lives, we do not know. But God is saying, I want to reveal that to you. I know you don't know. I want to reveal it to you. But how do I do that? Call to me. I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. How many secret things are hidden on the other side of your Christian life? That have not yet come to you because we have not engaged God in the place of prayer. Deep, mighty things. In the place of prayer, God begins to reveal these things to us. You know, if you come into a place of prayer and God begins to tell you things that you, you, you had no idea about, it brings a level of joy in you even for your Christian life. Who said Christianity is boring? Come on. It is not boring. It depends on your experience. He said, call to me, I will show them to you. Great things, mighty things that you don't know. We can only find that in the place of prayer. And so the early church understood these different dimensions and assignments of prayer. And so for them, it was not something they would play with. It was something that became very central of their lives. Because all these different forms of assignment were supposed to be engaged for the success of the church at the time. They had lived with Jesus. They had seen all the mighty things he did in, in, in his days. He had giving them the assignment to continue that. By their strength, they could not move on. By their human wisdom, they were limited. It was this place of prayer that kept the church going. And it is the same for us. If we want to see the church grow, make impacts in our city, in our region, across the province, across the nations, we can take prayer out of it. In your own life, in your family, in your marriage, in your business, whatever God has called you to do, you can't take prayer out of it and see success. The early church demonstrated that. And in this season, God is calling us to that place. Hallelujah. I want us to look at a very, very great story, even as we talk about prayer. A typical example of how the move of God was experienced in the days of the early church in the area of prayer. Last week, Pastor Charlotte introduced my sermon-ish as a prison break. Hallelujah, <laughs> because we have talked about, you know, what I was going to talk about. But I want, to, I want us to look at that story. Some of us may know, others may not know. And so for the sake of those who might not know, let's go to Acts chapter 12. Let's read a couple of verses to help us see what prayer can do. You know, we live in a world that, I remember when I was, you know, I was, I was in college, one of the courses I did was, Philosophy of, philosophy of religion. And one of the things that we discussed in that course was prayer. Prayer from, please keep it there, I'll come to it. Prayer from a philosophical, you know, dimension. 
it is interesting to see how sometimes the world, through human wisdom, even thinks about prayer. One of the arguments there was that prayer doesn't really do anything. The things we see when we pray or the answers we claim to have are just coincidences. You know, they just come. Whether you pray or not, it will come. That is not true. That is not true. And unfortunately, the world is trying to let us feel as God's children that prayer doesn't work. And maybe you are prayed about certain things. You did not see results coming. We've all gone through that. It still does not change the power of prayer in our lives as God's children. Amen. And we will see that in the story that we're going to look at. And so Acts chapter 12 verse 1 talks about how God by his great power brought Peter out of prison. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that he pleased the Jews, if the Bible is yours and you like to highlight or underline, you can underline that. He saw that it pleased the Jews. He proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to, to false crowds of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God. You can underline that part. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hand. You can underline that one too. Oh, my God. Then the angel said to him, Guard yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garments and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was still seeing, he was seeing a vision. The last verse says, when they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. You can highlight that one too. And they went out and went, they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. Hallelujah. This is what one of the experiences of the, 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 the power of prayer in the days of the early church. Herod was a king at the time. He was against what the people were doing. And PC, in the Pastor Charlotte has talked about some of the, the challenges they've gone through. So we kind of know that. I don't, I don't want to go into that. But so when he saw that the church was growing, the Bible said that he stretched out his hand to arrest first James. So James that we're talking about here was among the three, the core people in, you know, in, in the inner people with Jesus, James, Peter, and John. It is that James that we, we read about. Herod arrested James and killed him. It wasn't the first time the church had experienced persecution. Before this time, you know, Stephen had been killed, stoned, all of that. But the killing of James was very, you know, James was among the, the, the pillars of the church at the time. 
And the Bible says when Herod saw that, it pleased the Jews. Come on. His motivation was about how he could please the masses. He did not think about the impact of, of this whole thing on the church. He was, he was an ungodly politician. Hallelujah. Let me go there. And his interest was just to please people. And so when he saw that what he had done pleased the Jews at the time, he wasn't satisfied. Now let me go and get a big guy himself. So the Bible says he went out, stretched his hand and arrest, to arrest Peter again. I believe at this time the church was mourning the death of James. And this is the point I want to say here. We are not told in Acts chapter 12 what the church was doing when James was arrested. But I believe because prayer was so central to their life, I believe they were praying. That is my own conviction. I believe they were praying. But you know, James was still killed. That is what I mentioned before. The fact that sometimes we pray about certain things and do not see the result the way we want to see it does not mean God does not answer prayer. God always has a purpose for everything that he does, especially when his people present our request and our petition to him in prayer. And even the outcome is different from what we intended. He has a bigger purpose for that and we will see it. The church did not allow the situation to, you know, demoralize them, they quickened themselves up again. The Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. The church encouraged themselves once again in the Lord to begin to pray for the release of Peter. I'm sure they sat down and realized, at this point, a petition is not going to help us. They probably proposed, you know, doing a protest they realized, well, the protest is just going to waste our time. Because looking at the heart of Herod, nothing can transform this man. We must engage the weapons of our warfare. Hallelujah. It is good to do protests. It is good to do, you know, write petitions and all of that. But there comes a time in the life of the believer, those things will not play any role in your Christian life. See where you can engage the creator of the universe himself and allow him to come into your situation. That is where the resource comes. Amen. And so the Bible said they began to pray. Three things that I want us to look at in this story. One, the church recognized their opposition. You know, when, it began, when James was arrested, once again, persecution was going on at the time. But when they saw that James had been arrested, we read that from the verse, you know, um, 1 to 3. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Before the killing of James, he was still harassing some in the church. We don't know the details about that once again. And so the, the killing of James was, of course, a bigger one. But even apart from that, he was harassing them in some aspect of their, of their ministry life. And then the second thing he did was to kill James. And when he saw it had pleased the Jews, he stretched his hand again to arrest Peter. At this time, the church was wide open. 
They knew where the, the problem was coming from. They knew the opposition. Jesus said, watch and pray. <laughs> Sometimes I always say this, we've got to watch even with our physical eyes to be able to know how to pray. Not just the physical, I mean the spiritual eyes. But physically observe things, see how things are going. Listen to the news, read the headlines, read banners. Those things will even give you direction for prayer. Hallelujah. The church observed the sequence of events at a time and realized that we've got to do something different. And so the Bible says, they moved on. I believe even in our days, the church of God must observe what is going on and see how that can lead us even into prayer. You see the things that are going on in our school systems, in our political systems, business systems, almost every sector of society, almost every institution in our society, we see things there that do not please God. We are all aware of it. There must be a cause for the church to rise up in a place of prayer. Hallelujah. So they, they were able to identify or recognize their opposition. It was a man who had allowed himself to be used by the enemy just to break what God was doing at the time. The second thing was this. They recognized their weapon. The verse 5 of Acts chapter 12 says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. We don't know how long Peter was in prison. I was trying to dig you know, into the background to see how long he was kept there. Maybe some of you do know. I didn't get all the answers. If you know it, you can email me. George at victorygp.com. Amen. I love to learn. I love to grow. I love to see those things. But the Bible said that Peter was in the prison. Herod had a plan. The Jews had a plan. After all, James was gone. But the church began to pray. And I like how the Bible describes the prayer. Constant prayer. Constant prayer was offered to God by the church for Peter. In James chapter 5, verse 16, we learn that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I like it when the Bible, you know, describes certain things in a certain way. He just did not say a prayer of a righteous person avails. He said effective, fervent prayer. You are the first language speakers of English. You understand that. I don't want to dig into it. But you know what that means. Hallelujah. Effective, fervent prayer of the righteous. So just being righteous and praying alone can produce certain things. But your righteousness and being a Christian, the Bible says, and praying, you must be able to engage a fervent and an effective prayer. Until you see the answer produced, you don't give up. Until you see the answer produced, you don't give up. If you're tired, call a brother to come and help you. If you can't go any longer, call a sister to come and help you. Jesus exemplified that. Even though his supposed helper did not help him. In the garden, when he was going you know, to the cross, he needed people to pray with him. This is Jesus, the son of God himself. 
call James, Peter, and John. Come help me pray. It is okay to call friends to come and help you pray. It is okay. It doesn't mean you are weak. It only means you are wise as a child of God. And you know your limitations. It is okay to call a friend to pray for you when you are down and, and you can't pray yourself. Ask a sister, a brother who can pray for you. Ask them to help you pray. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. You may be down, but someone's prayer can bring you up and lift your spirit again to begin to pray. And so the Bible says that the church began to pray. I'm sure the church at the time saw themselves, and of course, they were the minority, you know, in that geographical space at the time. But they knew how to bring in the voice of the majority in their midst. Hallelujah. And in our days, sometimes we think, you know, and it could be true, we are a minority. Everything from the church, from the Bible, has got so many different forms of opposition. And sometimes these can make us weak even in our, in our life as Christians. But how ready are we to allow the voice of the King of Kings, the voice of the Lord of Lords to come into our voice, to amplify our voice? The church began to pray. And I say here that if God is on the side of the minority, they are the majority. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how few we may see ourselves to be. If God is in our midst, we are the majority. And this is what happened in the days of the early church. God was on their side. They came together, began to pray, began to seek the face of God. And God came into their midst. And the third point is this. They recognize everyone's voice. Amen. Let's read a verse 12 to 16 of Acts chapter 12. Verse 12 to 16. Very, very powerful. It says, so when he had considered this, so let me fill in the gap so that you can understand what is happening here. Peter was brought out of prison. We read that before. When Peter came out of prison, initially he thought he was dreaming. And then he realized, well, this is really a, a real prison break. Praise God. And so Peter began to look for where the disciples were. Look at what the Bible says. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Please keep it there. How did Peter know that the, the church had gathered in that house to pray? It tells me that it was a place of prayer. It was a place that the church often gathered to pray. It was a place that Peter was, it wasn't new to Peter. He knew what would happen in, in the house of Mary. And so he went straight from prison to that house. Let's move on. Verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gates, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the, gate, before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. You know, the church recognized 
the voice of everyone. And I really want to emphasize this. In this season and age of the body of Christ, even in this house, as we continue to pray, as we engage in the different forms of prayer, corporate prayer, God wants each and every one of us to know that your voice is important. Hallelujah. Your voice is important. Prayer is not for the supposed prayer people. It is not for the intercessors, those who have been branded so or whatever. There are different graces. There are different callings. Yes, I respect and value that. But when it comes to prayer, each and every one of us has a voice in the place of prayer. And that is what God is calling us. Your words may be just one sentence. That's okay. Someone may produce a paragraph. That's okay. Someone may produce a novel. That's okay. But your voice is important. Even if it is a phrase or a word, God sticks to that. He, he, he respects that. He values that in the place of prayer. When the church gathered in the house of Mary and were praying, Peter comes on the scene, knocks at the door. And this lady who goes there by name Rhoda, which also means Rose, amen. By hearing Peter's voice on the other side, she knew that was Peter. But the guys who were inside the house praying, the prayer people, <laughs> hallelujah, they said, you are out of your mind. This can be possible. The Bible describes Rhoda as a servant girl. I believe if names were mentioned among those who could pray, probably she wouldn't have been included in the list. But there was a place for her ministry in the bigger corporate prayer of the church. That is the point I want to emphasize. That as God is calling us into this place of prayer, please don't count yourself out. Your voice matters in it. When Rhoda said it was Peter and they told him he was out of, it, out of her mind, they told her she was out of her mind. She insisted, she believed that was Peter. See, she had not seen Peter because Peter was on the other side of the gate. But she believed that was him. She had faith that the prayer the church was praying would produce the result that they were looking for. Amen. Even though the big guys did not believe, Rhoda believed. If you are the Rhoda in the body, don't take yourself out because you may be the servant girl. Your voice may not bring Peter out of prison, but your voice will introduce Peter to the church who are praying. Hallelujah. Your voice may not cause the change to be broken up, Peter, but your voice will let the church know the story of how God brought the prison break for Peter. Amen. Peter came in after they opened the door and told the whole church how God had released him. The sequence of events, the miracle that God had produced. It was Rhoda who welcomed Peter into the house for the church to hear the miraculous happening that had happened. Imagine Rhoda was not there. I'm sure Peter probably would have found somewhere to go because it was still midnight. And so what God is telling all of us today is that your voice is important when it comes to this place of prayer. Every single person's voice is important. Amen. Don't let the enemy lie to you. And this happens a lot in the body of Christ. And I believe it's important for us to know that you have a part to play 
in what God is doing. She did not let her doubts stop her from sharing what she knew was true. How many times have you kept quiet because you were not really sure whether that was from God or that was not from God? That's not your problem. Say it. Amen. No, the truth is this. We all grow in the things of God. If there is one word that, you know, could be used in our Christian life, it is growth. We all grow. We all grow in the things of God. All the things that we do, none of us started doing it, you know, exactly how we're doing it now, two, four, five, ten years ago. It takes time to grow. And so give yourself that time to grow. And I believe that is so important for us. Because sometimes we're looking for perfection. And so we don't even practice what God is helping us to practice in order to be able to grow. And that may be your life even as a Christian. Sometimes you don't even know how to pray. Yeah, the Bible says that in Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Says sometimes we don't know what, what we should say in prayer. You are not the only one. It happens to everyone as a Christian because that's what the Bible says. But the good news is that the Bible says even in those seasons, the Spirit of God is able to give you utterance to pray. So the fact that you may not know what to say does not mean you must, you must, you must start to pray. Start saying something. Just start saying something and see what the Lord will do on the other side for you. Create a place for your prayer. Pray in your car. Pray in your garage. Pray wherever. God is everywhere. Just make your life a life of prayer. Pray in your bedroom. Wherever you find yourself, pray. Even if you don't know what to say, just pray the word of God and begin to read it. That is also prayer. And as you do that, you see what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. That is a growth process in prayer. The early church were not experts from day one. We know the story of Peter. It was a little girl that he ran away from. But this was the same guy who after some time stood before the first season, the, you know, the religious leaders, these big people and said, who should we listen to? Is it good for us to listen to you or God? Really? Is that Peter? There is the process of growth that we must allow God to work in our lives. And prayer plays a key role in that. As I bring my message to an end, this morning I believe that there is grace in the house to empower someone who is saying, I really want to pray. really love to pray, but sometimes I feel I'm weak. I don't even know. And maybe that may be all of us because we experience that in some you know, ways. But this morning I would like to pray for those people. And if it's all of us, we're going to pray for ourselves. Because you see, prayer is something we cannot take out of our lives as Christians. It, it, it is not possible. It is not possible. Man shall not live by bread alone. Bread is important. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Prayer is also important. Hallelujah. The two are important. Bread stuck in our fridges. All good. Prayer stuck on our prayer cells. So good. 
God wants us to move in that 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 level of 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 working with Him to see what He wants to produce in our lives. As I welcome the worship team on, please worship team, you can come. If you please help us do that, Christ is my firm foundation song. Man, so powerful. I want us to please rise on our feet this morning. If you could rise on our feet. I want us to take a moment to pray. You know, once again, you practice prayer and the Holy Spirit gives you strength to do it. No one is a pro in prayer. We all practice it. We all learn it and we all pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let's just take this moment. Talk to God. Talk to God. You know what? He has spoken to you through this message. Whisper something in his ears. It's maybe a thanksgiving you have in your heart. It's maybe a request you have in your heart. Speak to him this morning. Just begin to talk to him in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you can pray in, in the Holy Spirit, you can go that angle as well. This is the house of God. The Bible says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. This is the house of prayer. Lift your voice and pray to God. He can hear you. He can listen. He's listening to us right now. He is here in his power and in his mind. In the name of Jesus Christ. He is listening to you right now. Begin to talk to him. Whisper to him. Talk to him about your marriage, about your family, about your health. Whatever it is on your heart, begin to talk to God this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, about your children. You're praying for them to come back home. Pray to God. You're praying for some attitude to change in their lives. Speak to God. The Bible said, do not be anxious for anything. In all things, by prayer and supplication, present your request to God. Speak to God right now. He knows it. He hears you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for the provision of prayer. We thank you for the provision of prayer. In Jesus' mighty name. We give you praise, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you for your glory, Father, in this house right now. Thank you for your glory all over the place right now. Thank you, Father, for releasing strength over your church, even for prayer. The grace for supplication. The grace for intercession. The grace for prayer. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, for taking away weaknesses and releasing strength over the lives of your people. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, you know the voice of that person saying, I really want to pray, but sometimes I feel so weak. I don't even know where to start from. Father, right now, I thank you for giving strength and grace to that person, even to rise up in the place of their prayer life. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the person who is saying, I get distracted so easily. I can't do it. Father, I thank you for releasing the gift of discipline over their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for that, for the one crying. I've been praying for my children to come back home and I'm not seeing results. I feel like I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. Receive strength to keep on doing that in the name of Jesus Christ. The one that is weary, you give strength unto them in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I thank you for pouring your spirit this morning. Fresh spirit of prayer upon your church. The Bible says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. We are a house of prayer. We are a house of prayer. Can you say that with me? We are a house of prayer. We are a house of prayer. In the name of Jesus. 
We thank you, Father, for, for granting that grace upon this house. We are a house of prayer. And Father, I pray for that person that has been crying on his or her bed for years for that one thing. Oh, Jesus, thank you right now, Lord, for an answer from heaven. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that, Lord, just as you send an angel to bring Peter out of prison, right now there is a release of angel to minister unto your children in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible said they have been angels are sent to minister to us who inherit the kingdom. I thank you for angelic ministration in the lives of your people right now. The chains are being broken. Prison breaks all of our lives in the name of Jesus. Whatever the enemy has tried to keep your people in bondage from, I pray right now, let there be a release of your people and your families, businesses, finances in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Breakthroughs on every side. Breakthroughs on every side. Miracles on every side. You are a miracle-working God and you have not stopped doing miracles Father, the God that brought Peter out of prison, he is the same God that we serve right now. Thank you for releasing miracles in the lives of your people. In the name of Jesus Christ. That healing breakthrough, receive it now in the name of Jesus Christ. Business breakthrough, receive it now in the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter the report of, of, the, of the doctors. Let the God of heaven speak on your behalf right now. Let the God of heaven speak on your behalf right now. In the name of Jesus, let that pain never come again. In Jesus' name, let that tumor be gone out of your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, let that cancer die out of your body. In the name of Jesus Christ, let the healing move of God be released over his church this morning. Father, you are good and you give good gifts unto your children. We thank you for your power. We thank you, Father, for your grace. Freedom in this place. Addictions be broken off your people. In the name of Jesus, let the power that was experienced in the early church be released over your church now. You are the same God. You have not changed. In the name of Jesus, Father, you have not changed. May we experience your move, experience your power, experience your breakthrough, experience your mighty hand working in our lives. Testimonies in the name of Jesus Christ. Revive that person's hope again. You have lost hope in your life. You think this is the end of your life. There is a new birth of hope in your life right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive that hope again. Receive that hope again. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, Father, we thank you this morning. Let God arise. Let God arise. Let God arise. And let his enemies be scattered. In the name of Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. In the name of Jesus. And every tongue that comes against you, the Bible says, in judgment, we condemn it right now. In this place, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. You are a good, good Father. We give you praise, Lord. Lord, we want to go back to the early church and be a people of prayer and be a house of prayer. And we thank you for giving us that grace. As somebody leaves this house today, 
prayer is birthing out even in their vehicles, in their own cars as they drive home. A new grace of prayer is birthing out within them. Young and old, it doesn't matter. Rhoda was a little, it was, a, it was a girl. She was part of the team. Every one voice matters. Thank you for that, for breathing out new levels of prayer in your, in people's bedrooms, in garages, in wherever Lord it is. I thank you. Spontaneous grace release for prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that the weakness is gone and the strength has come. Apathy is gone and a new release of, a, of, of your power has come upon your church. That couples shall hold your hands and pray together again. Couples shall hold your hands and pray together again. Families shall come together and pray together again. The plans of the enemy are broken over our lives. If God be for you, who can be against you? Father, we thank you. We thank you this morning. We give you praise, oh God, for, 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 freedom, for freedom in this house today. Father, you are good. We worship your holy name. We magnify you. Be glorified. Be glorified. Be exalted. Be magnified. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.